Welcome to the Visma Ski Classics podcast, Ushtar Tulevit. Visma Ski Classics is the long-distance ski championships with 35 pro teams. In season 12, there are 14 races in 12 event locations, bringing pro team athletes and recreational skiers together. On this podcast series, we'll analyze the events on the Pro Tour and the Challenger Series, portray the legends of the sport, and help you to become a better skier. Hello and good day to you all out there listening to Usha to Levy podcast. I am your host, Teemu Virtanen, and today's guest is the current the reigning champion of Visma Ski Classics, Emil Persson from Lager 157 Ski Team. It's good to have you on our show. I think you haven't. I mean, you've been a guest, Emil, but this is the first time that we have the sole focus on you, Emil. But uh, where are you right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think... As you say, it's first time to uh, focus only on me. I've been on some race reports before, but nice to be nice to be on the pod again. Uh, I'm just home in Östersund and uh, training. What kind of a place is Östersund for training? Yeah, it's a very nice place. Uh, very good summer training, I would say, and uh, with much uh, many like. Uh, good roller ski roads uh, with uh, little traffic if you like me going on the longer sessions uh, with like 60k and up so there you get like uh, you want some longer roads to go on and not just uh, uh, we have the, the what do you say the roller ski tracks here but it's too short for me I think so I like it on the roads on the roads. Is traffic okay if you're yeah, on the road? The, yeah, the traffic is uh, very good, very good. And uh, what about the winter time? Do you guys get any snow there? Or do you have any like uh, artificial snow track open, or where do you train in the winter time? Yeah, in the winter uh, there's uh, a lot of ski tracks here. I think it's maybe uh, eighty kilometers of track, so. We have a good tracks, and uh, now in the fall, like before Christmas, they have the artificial snow that they saved from last year. So I think it's opening now on the sixth of November. So counting down the days until then. Of course you are, Ahmed. Uh, do you feel that you're in a good shape? The summer went pretty well. No hiccups there. Yeah, uh, maybe a little. A tough uh, start, uh, I think in the May and June. But from there, I it just went have gone up. Uh, my like the feel like the training has been uh, has gone very good, and my listen like the uh, my body like uh, answered the, to the training very nice. So I have nice feelings for the upcoming season now. And it'll be a tough season, and we'll talk about that soon. And of course, we'll talk about the last season, which was pretty amazing for you. You were in a top five in every single race, and of course, you are the the reigning champion. And that'll be next for us. We'll go through uh, the last season, race by race. I think that's a that's a good way for us to kind of analyze the season.
of course, last season, season 11, it must have been a big, I mean, it was a success, you know, for you and a probably big surprise. Before the season started, uh, did you think that you'll be able to win, you know, that many races and be the champion? No, I didn't think I would win uh, four races, but uh, I believe I could win uh, like uh, a few races because I've won two the year before. So, um, and I like have done a very nice. I've done a did a very good uh, training last summer, and like so, I felt my shape. Like on the, the beginning of the winter felt very good and so I have big hopes for to have a good chance of be up there but didn't believe I didn't think I would take the yellow bib and so many races and the green bib and the youth bib. So. All the bibs so to speak but let, <laughs> yeah. let's go through the season it was of course a bit of a uh, different type of season due to the fact that the corona or the, the pandemic was still raging but a season nevertheless and uh, it started uh, in Switzerland of course uh, La Diagonela that was the race that everybody remembers being really cold you know and of course you know we you know Andreas Nigord and, and a lot of other skiers Britta Johansson and your teammate uh, had some problems there but let's start from there. That was the, the beginning of the season and you were fifth there. How was that race for you? Yeah, that was a hard first race of the season. Uh, like up on the attitude and uh, 60 kilometers. Uh, it went got shortened down there because of the avalanche risk, but it's hard anyway. Uh, I felt the, the the days before I on the we like stayed on the up there ten days before uh, so I like after a few days there on the in the valley I felt that I had like good answers on the attitude and felt strong so start like on the start I felt I had a good chance to be up there uh, if I did like follow my plan and the race started and it went along and after like the the first sprint they were the uphill started and uh, like down to the St. Moritz I felt that I I had a really good day and uh, so I I was up in the top all the way there but uh, when Oscar went there I didn't have to ski and like didn't think he would uh, go solo all the way but so where uh, like the bunch the rest of us just let Oscar go and so you didn't expect with... him to do that breakaway he was thinking that you will catch up with him yeah, yeah, maybe so, but I, we know like Oscar is a very office, offensive uh, skier and he likes to like uh, attack and so on, but it's not often there the like the breakaway goes all the way. But uh, that day it did, so that was very impressive of, uh, from Oscar to go solo like for was it like 30k 
So that was uh, very nice for him, and I, I'm glad that he he won it like on that. Uh, what do you say? Uh, in the breakaway, that's that's impressive. And he beat you, uh, beat you guys by by several minutes. But were you yeah, happy yeah. with your fifth fifth place at that time? Yeah, I'm like uh, the first race. You always kind of like you're not sure where you stands in the like how the rest of the guys are and uh, how am I to compare to them. And after the first race, I got the like nice feeling and a good uh, good luck. Uh, so. I mean, what do you say? Good feeling and good answer on that I've done the right things in the training before. So with a good confidence, I looked forward to the rest of the season. Then. And the cold weather didn't really bother you that much. I mean, it affected your teammate, Everita. You was a Nugrand quite a lot. But what about you? Yeah, I I can uh, put on enough clothes so that I didn't have to freeze. So rookie mistake by Britta. That can happen. It's a winter sport. We have to remember that it can <laughs> yeah, get cold. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, we know uh, how cold it was, so you just have to prepare and go like the conditions are. And, and then, moving on to Topla Cortina, that was the next race in the calendar, and there you were on the podium. Third. Very different race. Shorter, and, and of course, Ermil Vokuev pushed really hard. Yeah, that was a a very fast race. Uh, it went like maybe a little chill for like two kilometers. Then Petter Eliasen did was what he done in the past, like go just put the hammer down and uh, go for it. But there were many guys strong that day, uh, so he didn't go solo. So then after like the half race, uh, I think Petter got a little tired so then uh, Vokuyev got the put the hammer down and went all he got and so there was was only like how many five guys in the to the sprint and I know like I have a good finish and the sprint so I got in the last kilometer with good confidence but uh, like I was very like disappointed on myself that I only got third on that race and uh, bothers me still this day and that I didn't uh, give myself a better chance of uh, winning but this was a special like last kilometer there uh, with a lot of turns and some uphills and downhills so uh, I can only blame myself to not to the do a better recognize what do you say uh, better position you know towards uh, the, yeah. the end yeah towards the end. but I felt I had a good day all day so that was like bother me I had so much th- energy in my body that day but only finished third but it was a good motivation boost to the Marcia Longa 
And that was uh, certainly, as you said, uh, the f- shortest and fastest race. The winning time for Vokuev was one hour, 37 minutes and 15 seconds. All the other races were uh, over two hours. And of course, then the, the longest one, <laughs> over five hours, <laughs> Orefes Lopet. But uh, you just mentioned Marcelonga. That was next then, the legendary, uh, the lo- long march uh, in Italy. And then, of course, victorious. That was a stage win for you. Yeah, that day was so special. Like I said it there on the interview, it was an amazing day, amazing skis, and amazing body. Uh, felt like from like just in from one kilometer, I there was some offensive guy that just wanted to go for it, and I I was a bit behind there and didn't bother me. Like I just had control on them and. Uh, didn't panic from it and felt like that. Okay. Uh, there was a lot of snow in the beginning, so it would be hard to go solo and attack from that early. But the race went on and I felt like didn't like think about very much about it how my body felt. I just stayed up there in the top ten like all the way and were up there in the on the sprints and offensive like I'm always like to race uh, it wasn't like until the study of the world championship stadium there I got like oh it, many guys are very tired now and I'm feeling like so much energy left and so where uh, the speed went to the last 10 kilometers before the uphill it just like watch the guys what they've done and all what they did and uh, and then so, the last last famous Cascada Hill that was a tough fight there yeah yeah I felt like the position onto the bridge there and the tunnel is very important so you have to time it right right like you can't be too far down so that was like the first uh, position I like I focused on to be top three there and I managed to do that so that was like okay step one done now it's just uh, Cascata the uphill down, uh, left so maybe not my my strongest part of the race uh, I, I'm not known to be the uphill guy but with that day I. There was no problem for me. I. You just felt, felt strong there. Yeah, I just felt strong, and uh, Anton Jernberg, my team director, uh, cheers on me, uh, like the first uh, hairpins, and I'm just uh, smiled at him and uh, uh, I kind of known like I'm at there. I have it so. Uh, good body and feels feels so strong and I have very good chance of winning this this so I got a good, good feeling just like the first hairpins with two kilometers left and Petter had a very good pace so and I managed to to hang on but there uh, then Vokoyev came the last kilometer there and with a huge speed. 
Uh-huh. Were you a bit scared at that time when he showed up there? Because he caught up with you guys. Yeah, that uh, I thought uh, Oscar uh, was come passing me like because I know uh, no he was behind me. I, I didn't think uh, uh, Vakuya. He wasn't uh, on this train like when I looked back like a few seconds earlier. But when I saw uh, Vakuya passed me, I, I, it was like oh shit. He's he's gonna go fast now, because like he's always going fast when he's pushing in the front. So, uh, so a little bit panicked there for a few seconds, and but managed to get on the like back skis of him and and toward. Uh, so it was only toward and I so like responded to Vukovic's attack, then toward uh, managed to push. Uh, like past Vokuyu uh, and I just stayed on towards back skis and I I watched uh, Tore Björsjöp Berdal the year before how he attacked like where what 300 meters uh, left and I just had my plan to okay that's how uh, uh, Berdal won the year before and I think it will be similar this year and so when it was like 200 meters left or 150 there, I just went for it and managed to pass toward. And that feeling when you're like on the with 50 meters left and you realize that I'm gonna win it, it was amazing, like huge. Couldn't understand what I managed to do. It is one of the classic races, you know, so to win Machalonga. It's uh, certainly a race that means a lot to you guys if you, if you win that one. And you also known, you just mentioned, you, you know, the, the last 150 meters, but you're also known for your ability to conjure up a really good sprint. So at that time, were you like confident that your sprint sprinting ability will be stronger than Turasles? Yeah, no guarantees on the races I like. I don't know how Tord feels like him and sprint after the Cascata. Like, it's a very tough uphill, so uh, you never know how your your sprint is after that. But I felt that uh, with the 150 meters left, I am confident with my sprint there. And when I passed Tord, I know I knew it. This was gonna hold to the finish line, and got the feeling that. Tor got uh, surrendered a little bit uh, when I passed him and got uh, he was happy, not happy with his second place, but it, he didn't fight for the victory. Yeah. Well, he his time was to come, you know, a bit later on at Vasalopet. But yeah, yeah. it was a long race, by the way. There, three hours and eleven minutes for you, and nine seconds. Uh, normally, in a good conditions, you guys go way. Uh, uh, um, uh, under three hours at Mach- yeah there was no. a lot of snow the first uh, what is it 30k we went like in one and a half decimeter of, uh, decimeter of snow so it was not a fast race indeed it wasn't but then you guys move on to Yiserskabaresatka which is the great uh, Grand Classics race in the Czech Republic and again, a victory 
for you? Yeah, I fought very hard for that victory. I didn't think I would win that race. It's like until the the last 10 meters, I there was a hard hard battle with myself and to to manage to stay with the with the with the leaders all the way. Why was it that tough? The race. Uh, I don't know. I did. I don't think I had the, the like the the body and the that I had the the weekend before on the Marsalonga. So, but I like managed to stay in the in the group. So, and then I had the sprint. It was like what you call what in the name of the like last uphill uh, with. I think it's 30 when we went we gone 30 kilometers there's a very tough uh, uphill and uh, Anton Carlsen was still in the uh, in the group I think we were like 10 12 people and uh, Anton Carlsen helped me to to be like the first and the second in the bottom of the hill and so I had a lot to thank him for the, that victory, so I got the chance to like drop a few positions until the top, so I would still be in the in the group because there, Ermel Wokoya was so strong. There's like I don't know how long the uphill is, like five kilometers, but the first two kilometers is very steep, and then the last three kilometers is like falls flat. Uh, you, it's look like it's flat, but it's so damn hard to go in there. And if someone's strong and pushing, there's there's no like easier to stay in the back. So there was a long, long minutes there until the top. So that was your your uh, hardest moment in the race, that second climb. Yeah, it was. It was so close. I think I like got dropped with like 10 meters or 15 meters over the top but I managed to uh, battle back battle like until the uh, back to the group then there was uh, the the sprint I had really good skis the last 5 kilometers or maybe I got I had good skis the last 10 kilometers uh, but they pushed hard and they look, they, they see that I was tired and uh, like almost got dropped several times the last 10 kilometers, but managed to stay in the group and fought very hard. Then I had, I would think I was uh, the last of us six people. With one kilometers left, and there was a downhill, and uh, there's nothing you can do when you're standing like in the uh, like I mean like behind someone and yeah behind someone in the downhill. So I want to like get in the drag behind someone, and then when I got caught up with them, I just passed them. But so I managed to. Get good position on like before the finish line and uh, the last hundred fifty meters. 
with a very high speed, higher speed than the rest of the guys. I think I got a little luck that Oscar crashed there, so he, the gap opened up. Yeah, that was a bit unfortunate for him. And of course, that race has a bit of a difficult finish, you know, because it, as you said, downhill all the way to the finish line. And then you have this kind of a short stretch, you know, for, for sprinting. You yeah. have to you have you have to have luck on your side as well uh, and, and uh, <laughs> to be able to be close. Uh, you have to have very good skis because it's what is like almost one kilometer of downhill. Like you only can glide and you never can't can't do that much so it's kind of frustrating then if you could get like like the guys in front of you gliding away like one two meters but you can't do anything about it and just stay there and hope like you have good skis and you're gonna caught up in the end of the downhill and that's what i managed to do so i had a little higher speed and on the last stretch Indeed, and then the tour, the pro tour, moved to Sweden and to Vasalope, the king of the ski races. You were fourth there, uh, right behind the uh, the three guys that were in a breakaway. Turasi Yedal and one and your teammate Anton Carlson, second, who's now uh, working for uh, W Sports Media and Visma uh, Ski Classics, and uh, then of course Ermi Bokuev once again. So, but to be fourth there. Well, that must have been a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, that was... For me, it was a very disappointed, but for the team, it was a very good day uh, because Anton got second, so I skied for him and we skied for the team and the team tactic that day. And uh, like from Eversberg, where the, the, top, uh, the top three there went, and I stayed in the group behind them. So I like for the team tactic. I knew like I saw Anton Carlson in the like the first forty kilometers. I saw on how he skied and how I talked with him. He was so in, in so good shape and he was he was wild on on the skis there. So I'm so glad he's he's so worth that second place that day. And there was only Tordens who was strong that day, but. Uh, for me, my, myself, I, I, of course, I had very good skis and very good body that day too. But to be th- fourth, I, I'm very happy and satisfied. I got a, a nice, a nice ride, a nice ski trip. But to, you couldn't, to, to you Mora. couldn't, you couldn't stay up with the, your uh, your teammate Anton and and, and the, those two other guys. Did you even try, or did you feel that you know you're not strong enough to? To be in that breakaway, uh, I didn't try at the moment. It like was the downhills uh, from Eversberg. I saw that Anton and uh, Vakoyev got away, uh, so okay, perfect for me because I didn't think the breakaway would would hold. I just it managed to stay in the uh, to the finish line because I knew there was many guys. Uh, strong guys left like in the peloton uh, with me so I, I thought uh, my group would caught up sooner or later but it didn't that day so I gambled on that so because 
maybe that I think that was my chance to win to wait for the sprint also like it was if uh, Anton Carlson was up there he was he I knew he had a very good sprint so he had very good chance to winning and I have good sprints so I have the sprints in the in my group so if my group caught up with the the top guys that would mean that hopefully my like the guys in my group would be a little tired than uh, I was because I didn't have to do any job to uh, get up, put up with the guys in the front so but we didn't manage to do that so Carlson just had to do his day and hope for like he had the best day and he had the second best day that day. It was an interesting but, uh, race because then, of course, Tourasia Dalen won the race, and then there was a bit of a gap, and then Anton Carlson came, and then a little bit of a gap again, and and Ermil Bokuev, and uh, there there was it wasn't really a, a sprint finish, you know, for those uh, three guys. Then, of course, for you guys in the peloton or the lead group, it was a little bit of a different ball game, and you guys caught up with Vettelli. Uh, who was also in a breakaway, and Vetlev was our guest uh, two weeks ago, and he talked about this, and Vetlev felt that he was in a, in a really good shape, and he was, he was going to have his best day, but then something happened, and uh, he couldn't, you know, keep up with the guys. And yeah, it was 90, a fast... 90 kilometers is long. You, you never know how your body going to react. Like, the, the last 10 kilometers is like, you can feel like, okay, I have so good day and I feel so strong but it can like turn like on one kilometer you go from so good to so bad uh, that's what's very special with Vasalopet indeed it is and it was a fast paced race because you guys broke the record up now well it was a bit of a different course so there's a bit of a uh, discussion or debate about the uh, you know the, the record times because you started from a different place uh, this time around uh, to do the yeah. you know the covid didn't have to do all the attitude meters in the uh, the beginning but we still did 90 kilometers so you can discuss it exactly and it, the time for, for tour Asli, the winning time was three hours twenty nine minutes and fifty four seconds. A really fast paced race. Uh, did you? I mean, of course, you guys felt it. I mean, you also had to use. You couldn't use the track pretty much because there was a bit of a loose snow there, so you had to ski outside of the track. So it must have been really tough on your legs and and stuff to do double poling off the tracks. Yeah, it was. It was. I don't. For me, it wasn't that tough. I kind of like going outside outside the tracks, but there was guys that had much very more trouble than me. Like Marcus Johansson in my team, he doesn't like it at all. He struggled with his back uh, because of that and had to drop the race. And so it was. There was a lot of guys that had big problems. My brother had problems with that too, and because it will be uh, a lot tougher for the the back and the legs, like to keep the balance all the way and don't like relax in the in the ski tracks. So would you say that it was a little little too fast paced? You know the race that the tempo was too high. 
No, I don't think so. I, do you like, like that? Do you like it when it gets that high? You know that. Time? Yeah, I like I like it when it got get high speed from the start. I like the offensive races. Because of course that doesn't suit everyone. You know, there are a lot of skiers that you know, you know, don't like the fast pace and the icy conditions yeah. like like that. And uh, but that There's was Vasalo. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's uh, many people that that doesn't have the like the speed in the first twenty kilometers and like have to build up in the race and I don't have that problem I can like start and go all in so I'm, I'm lucky I have that you have that ability so from Vasalope then the the kind of the last part of the season which was again a bit of a special because. Uh, Birkebeinerennet and Ulas Levi Reistelö, but all those uh, traditional races didn't take place. And you guys stayed in the same area for the last uh, three races. And it started with the Volodalsrennet, and you won again. And that was yeah. a bit different too, with the weather and all that. So special race. It was... Uh, you didn't think... Like, I didn't think I would win this that race, and I, I thought I think Oscar didn't think he would be third uh, either, but yeah, I had really good skis, uh, and it was was so tough to go in the front. So the first two loops where we go up on the Sapporo sport tracks, there's the uphill. Jens Burman was very offensive and uh, split up the the group, and so there's a at that moment, I thought, okay, let's just do the ra- uh, good races and uh, don't be like, don't drop so many points on the yellow. If for, because I saw Tord was in front of me, so I just focus on okay. I can't lose so many points to Tord because it was a fight about the yellow jersey. But then we got down from the Sapporo tracks and uh, through Volodol and then out on the the third loop where it was there was not many people that have gone in front of Jens Burman and so like when we got out there it was like very very hard to bring in the front and uh, it's a very the, slow snow there yeah. So there was a lot of guys caught up with us there, up there, like because it was so much easier to go behind. And I think Oscar Kardin was one of those. He was like three minutes behind, but he was able to uh, catch up with you guys. Yeah, and there was like very wet snow, so the skis uh, had a very big effect. But then it won in the last kilometer or so I got a little help from my brother uh, my uh, not from the same team but he helped me with a a little good uh, position for the last what do you say uphill like the short uphill with one kilometer left and then he got jumped to the side and I just uh, had three tracks in front of me so that was very nice of him 
uh, add a lot of time to to the victory to to him and then uh, Oscar and uh, Nigor there was they were very strong on the small like if so it falls flat it goes upward but it kind of flat but and then I just went for it uh, the last 200 meters and like my sprint abilities kicked in then I walked away with the victory toward I think he was fifth or sixth that day so that was very nice because I like secure the not to, not secure the the champion but managed to pull away a little bit and then uh, the day after you repeated your feat and you won again there was the Tos Osen Criterium 64 and that was the first time that you guys had two tough races back to back how did that feel <laughs> yeah uh I looked forward to it a lot uh, before that weekend. So like, okay, this would be would be interesting how the body reacts, and looking forward to like to start on the Sunday with with a race the day before, and like very interesting how the body would react. Uh, so, but uh, like the the hours after the Saturday's races, like. All you had to do, or all you did, was like eat, 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 and eat a little more and fill up with the energy. And so you're feeling very destroyed from the race, and then you have to focus on the next race, prepare for that, and fill up with energy and so on. So not the nicest feeling, like. Not the most ideal preparation for a race. Uh, yeah, yeah. But on when we started on the uh, Sunday, I felt like, okay, not the best body from yesterday, but I think all the guys here are tired from yesterday. So then, this, so I just had to do the best of it and like races, race, do the race like I always do and. Try to stay in the front and uh, watched. Uh, I watched toward what he meant. Uh, thought uh, maybe play out tactic because I had a lot of focus on just like bring home the, the champion the last three races there. So all I had to do like okay, I, if I want to win the the champion by just. The best I can do is like get 200 points, and that was that was what I wanted to do, and I did it. So that was a very good feeling to go the win the back to back there. And then you had a bit of a break there, almost a week before the last race. Still stayed in the area, and then you had the Orefelsloppet, which was uh, the big, I mean, the biggest, but the longest race in Visma Ski Classics history. It was a 100-kilometer race and very tough conditions as well. And you finished fifth. You started the season with a fifth place, in a fifth place at La Diagonela and then finished the season uh, in Sweden with the same place. Walk us through that race a bit. It was a very special one again. Yeah, it was a 
a hard race, a very hard race. So it was a long day. Uh, it was like all in from the start where Max Novak and Runa Skamatisen just went for the sprint and the breakaway the first 20 kilometers. The, like, the peloton was stretched out like on a long line. So uh, There I thought I didn't have the best body. I felt kind of bad and I thought, oh shit, this is not gonna go well. But after like we passed uh, Utsjö Lake and up through the village of Utsjö, I felt that, okay, Tord was picking up the speed there and I felt that, okay, I can stay on his back and I felt, okay, this can go away. Then we went up to Trillevallen and they like they, there was only like I think 15 people on the top there and I felt okay now it's possible to to secure the the championship so that was kind of a a nice feeling there and and like because I have to I had to do, be in the top 50 to secure the, the bib but I wasn't sure I would be that in the first 10 kilometers of the race it felt so bad but uh, the sh- kilometers just went on and I felt like better and better and when Oscar Cardin did like he did in La Degonela and went with I think it was 40 or 50 kilometers left I just I I just let him go and didn't, didn't even try to stay on with him because I, I was maybe a little mentally tired from the season and so just focused on being the group to the finish line. But then we like the, just went on and some guys did a very good job in the group to not let Oscar wait too long. So with, I think it was 15 kilometers left, we passed Utsjö Lake again on the way back. Then I felt like, oh shit, I have a really nice body now. I I can try something to push harder and like break the, the peloton and the, and I watched, I, I saw that Oscar caught up with the ladies and uh, tried to like go away from them, but there was so slow snow there and very tough conditions, like wet snow, and it was almost impossible to stay in the front. Uh, so there was then like, we, I thought, I think we caught like one and a half min, minute in like one kilometer there and so that was a very special like last 10 kilometers then on the f- last kilometer so I was like okay like I, I was always done with that race because all I thought before the race okay I have to secure the the champ this yellow bib and maybe not focus on the win so but that's, I'm 
kind of disappointed with that decision after the season that I didn't manage to go all into the sprint and maybe got get a podium that race too. But yeah, can win all the races, uh, but yeah, of course. <laughs> But that was also the storm warning, you know, from uh, uh, Andreas Nygård. He won that race and uh, kind of showed you guys that he is back. Of course, he was also injured after La Diagonela and, and pretty, that, that pretty much screwed up his season. But, uh, of course, he will be strong come the new season. But that was the season uh, for you and, and um, uh, as we just uh, pointed out, you know, the amazing season. So many uh, victories and the fifth place, twice fifth, you know, that was the worst uh, place but now when you um, think about the upcoming season, it will be very different from this, assuming it'll be back to normal. First of all, how do you like the, the, the calendar of the new season? Uh, I think it will be a very interesting calendar. It's like kind of similar to not the year with the last year, but the year before with a lot of races like one or two before Christmas, then it was will be a... Like, is it f- five weekends in a row in January and February then? And then a small gap and then it will be uh, two races now with the uh, Iserska and the uh, Tartu Ski Marathon. So it, that would be very interesting to go to Tartu and then it will, it's going to be one weekend gap, then Vasadoppet and then the same ending as I think it's three years ago now. So I'm looking forward to a very long season now. Like I don't know, it's many weeks from the start to the finish. And it'll be a tough season, but who do you think are going to be, since you are defending a champion, uh, going to be your hardest opponents? Possibly Newgord, but who else? It's very hard to say. You never know, like... How, how the winter is long, a lot of things can happen, but what we see now, like, Max Dovak has been in a very good shape in the roller ski season. Uh, so. Were you surprised by that, by the way, that he was so superior? No, uh, not very. I trained uh, some sessions with him before, like, the, in July, and I felt that he's very strong, and so I wasn't that surprised that he would be so strong and I know he's a re- really good roller ski uh, athlete so he would he would be very interesting to see in the winter then we have Oscar Karin who was third in the total last year I think and uh, I trained with him a few sessions now and he felt felt strong and uh, looking looking strong too and so he will be of course he will be up there this winter too and uh Ingegord of course and yeah darling he's always there yeah of course <laughs> we're never getting uh, like towards never gonna end what about Sunbu Martin Jönsrud Sunbu he's an yeah, interesting yeah. name yeah, very interesting name and a very interesting athlete. Uh, I don't think he will go for the like the the champ uh, bib because it's it's a long winter. I think he will focus on just some races, <clears throat> but I don't know. Uh, 
there's all there are races that suits him very good. He's shown that earlier that he had won Birken. So he has he has a real good capacity, but he is a few years older now that so it will really, really be interesting to see him this winter but and what his plan to do is Indeed, that remains to be seen. But I think we can now uh, move on to talk about training. And if you look at your some of your uh, summer results, you did uh, really well. You mentioned uh, Max Novak, who's who's been really strong. But uh, you've been, uh, you know, very good, uh, strong as well. You won uh, Weimarathon in the roller ski race, and you were second in Allianz Lopet uh, race. So good results there as well but that'll be next for us we'll talk about your training and your team and your uh, training camps they are uh, quite uh, legendary i think so emil as you said earlier your training season has proceeded uh, pretty well some minor hiccups right after the winter season but everything's going according to your plan right now correct yeah, it, uh, the last two months of training, I've done like every session that I wanted. So it's been a very good. Uh, the the body just answered very good, not good on the training. So right now, I feel confident that I, I want to be where I I am where I want to be now. So looking forward like to the coming months of training now. I'm very interested in knowing more about your training and your team's training uh, since I've talked to a lot of the pro team athletes uh, and you all have your own own methods but how do you what is kind of your basic philosophy let's start from there first on training uh, the basic I think uh, I'm competing in double polling so I'm training double, it's like you get good on what you're training on, so I try to double power as much as I can and very little of diagonal or skating or I haven't skated in on roller ski for now like two years, but I've done some skating in the winter, but that's just very little but and then I we train hard. Yeah, so Maybe not the most hours, but I think the hours we do is it's very hard. So do you do anything else than uh, roller skiing? Do you run, do you cycle, or is this mainly roller skiing and double poling? Yeah, it's mainly mainly ro- double poling, but it's the, like the the important uh, sessions I do on roller skis, double poling. Then they're like in the afternoon, I jump on the cycle if it's nice weather it's, uh, or maybe run uh, like one two hours but like the, the important things I do on roller skis and double pose then I do like to get some more hours in to the training I, I like to cycle a lot uh, so I cycle maybe in May I cycle a little more but Closer to the season, I put the cycle away and the running shoes away and just try to do as much as I can on the roller skis. 
So when you say cy uh, cycling, you mean road biking? Yeah, mostly road biking and a little mountain biking too. So do you train twice a day or are those days just a bit of a here and there? Or is it, because that's kind of a, a big question, training once a day or twice a day. And it seems to be that the tendency that a lot of you guys train once a day, you do one long session and that's it. Yeah, uh, I have the that plan to like do a longer session in the like one only one longer session per day. But some days we do two sessions, so but mostly just one, maybe from three to five hours, and some are some sessions up to six seven hours. So. When we like train like three hours, maybe we do a session on the afternoon too. It, but it depends what like if I do intervals, what kind of intervals. So if I like have just some six times six minutes intervals on the in the morning, and then I have like okay, the sessions only got like two three hours. Then I do like oh. I can get on like the the bike in the afternoon, do some hours on that. Let's talk about those intervals a little bit. You just uh, gave us an, one example, but what kind of intervals do you do from the short ones? Do you also do the really short ones because you are, you know, amazing sprinter? So I assume you do quite a lot of speed training as well, meaning short thirty second, maybe forty second intervals, all the way to. What are the kind of the longest intervals that you you do? Yeah, I do not very much of the shortest intervals, but uh, uh, I, that's not my main focus, so to say. But some intervals is very short, and I I think I like the most intervals is up to sixty minutes, and some more intervals is like. We have one session that is 80 to 90 minutes in one go like and then we do some shorter sprints in it like impulses. Uh, that is a very hard and kind of... So basically you keep up a, a fast pace for 80-90 minutes and you have small short sprints within yeah. that session. That session to be like do like every third week maybe yeah once a month maybe two months then of course we do like some uphills intervals yeah, we're like Tosseberget in Torsby it's a very steep uphill it, I think it takes 12 minutes then we like double pole up there five times uh, that's a very hard session too how do you go down uh we got uh, the team director Anton Jernberg drive us down with the car so the recovery takes place in a car yeah the speed training you said that you don't do that that often i mean i remember talking to um max novak who and also to to, to his coach uh matthias rick and rick is known for his they even called rick uh, intervals, 40 seconds, really fast, 20 second 
uh, rest. But you don't do something like that. Yeah, I do it some sometimes, but not that much. That uh, Novak does it uh, a lot more than I do it. But it, I kind of like uh, find that a thing that works for me. So I'm just staying with that. You were born with the ability. You don't need to, <laughs> to practice. Yeah, of course. I, I'm happy when I'm born with it. Then what about the Vasalov Pass? Your team is really known for that. I mean, the long four or five hour session where you do all kinds of intervals built within the session or the workout. Yeah, we do like one Vasalov Pass uh, every training cap. So that's once a month. It's so oh, it was this is the hardest sessions in the summer. We do like four hours the total time, but there's uh, like minimum two hours of interval training that we do like maybe some prologues of fifteen kilometers, and maybe some t- uh, team tempo prologues, and we do some shorter races, some longer races, it depends, it's not the same uh, every session, every training camp, it depends on how the the train we have to use in in Sundsvall, we did one and we have done some one in, in Torsby and in Ulfsaham, so we're like planning the Vasaloppasset uh, to the train we have do you, do you do that uh, on snow as well in early season before the the race season starts, or is it only on roller skis? Uh, only on only on roller skis. I think uh, many times the that is the it's harder to do that Vassal Passen than it's to race in the winter. That's very interesting. So it's going to be really tough, <laughs> tough, yeah. uh, a tough session for you guys. But I, I like that idea, like uh, train harder and compete easier. What else do you do? What about uh, strength training? Uh, in some periods, i have in the gym like three to four times a week. Uh, like some periods to like six weeks, I'm in the gym four times a week. And then some periods I'm not in the gym for... Maybe once a week, so I just in some periods of the summer. So I do. I don't know what. There, I think there's an athlete that's more in the gym than me, but that's and it's also some athletes and in the gym less than me. Like Max Novak, for example, he doesn't really do much weightlifting or strength training. No, it's, it's like we have some uh, different training ideas. And then what about the long, easy endurance sessions? Did you go out there for five hours? Not Vasalopas, but just to go out there for a long time. You mentioned seven hours there. So those, I assume, are then kind of an easy pace aerobic sessions. Yeah, uh, uh, that's I think that's what's is one of my favorite uh, sessions, like five hours plus, with nice weather, uh, uh, nice company, like good buddies, like 
Oscar Kabin, Max Novak and my brother the skiers here in Östersund and just go out and do the five hours and chit chats and maybe stop for an ice cream halfway uh, that's my favorite sessions I think I like the, the long hours so how often do you do that once a week a couple times a week uh, like five, five hours we do once a week but there's four hours so four hour plus it's like two three times a week at least and then what about the the interval sessions are you a firm believer in block training or more like that you have these sessions every week yeah I'm more like I have two to three sessions every week depends on like how the week is planned and so on but kind of similar all the season all the training at two to three sessions all the summer quite like the Andreas Nigordi who said you know they, he's kind of the same way and he doesn't actually mix you know the uh, the easy and tough trainings he doesn't really do them that the device a type you know the trainings that often but as you said you all have your own methods and your own way of of training and yeah. And uh, but now when the the season is about to get started, what about the the kind of the early snow, early season training? Are you focusing on long hours, long just miles, or what do you do before the season starts in Osha? Yeah, it's kind of hard. Like this period of from transition from roller skis to the snow, there's there's ice on the roads, but then there's not that long kilometers of snow, but like. At the moment, we don't have anything in Östersund, and there was ice uh, on the tra- on the out on the roads uh, yesterday. So, not ideal for to be a cross country skier now. But uh, try to keep like the pressure up on the longer session until like for a month or two until Christmas. Uh, so I hope there will be. There will come some snow in the closest week, so I can go to maybe Vålerdalen or Bruksvallarna, where they have better chance to get some snow. Is your team planning to have a training early season or early snow training camp somewhere? Yeah, soon? yeah. In the end of November, we're planning a week in in Osha, so I crossing my fingers to it would be some snow there done what about going to a warm place that seems to be a thing for a lot of you guys or the teams to do uh, team cafe Bruggeri, and still i think they're still in and in croatia and a lot of you know teams go to uh, mallorca for example but you guys aren't no not as a team but i have done it like the tra- three years before, but this year I didn't fit my my calendar my schedules. But so I I just been home now. So I kind of jealous on the guys posting picture of the the warm weather and so on. But try to focus on what I can do at home now. But okay. of course it's, it's much nicer to be on like Mallorca or. 
Of course it is. This time of the year isn't really, you know, the nicest nicest time in Scandinavia and northern countries. It's dark and gloomy and rainy and, and all that. But let's hope that we'll get the season soon and the, you know, the snow, of course. But I think we'll move on uh, to the last segment of the podcast, which is what I call the up close and personal, which means that we'll talk about you as a person. Now we're going to leave the skiing aside a little bit, except we'll talk about kind of the see the genesis or the, the kind of the origin of your or your career. You know, how did you get get started to that? But first, how would you describe yourself as a person? I know it's always tough to to when you put in a position like that and start analyzing yourself. But hmm. yeah, that that was kind of hard question. Uh, it's much easier than when other people answer that question how am I like uh, about me but when you're gonna answer itself it's you're driven for sure you're passionate passionate driven ambitious of course I'm passionate about skiing and uh, get tired I like the feeling of getting tired that's why I think long distance suits me that well so I had never have been like uh a sprinter that like a sprinter sprinter but so that's what I always like the longer distances then I'm like kind of social guy but not the one that talks the most or why did you choose to be a long distance skier and when did that happen started focus on the long distance uh, like put all my focus in when Lager 157 called me in, in the spring of 2018 and asked if I wanted to join them and uh, I just said yes. I uh, haven't, haven't looked back from that. Uh, but before that I always liked the, the longer races and I did a lot of them here home in, in the in Jämtland and I've did Vasaloppet a few times before and if I compare to the guys like I, they beat me in, in 15 kilometers I beat them in the longer races so I remember I'm a little natural on the double polling side and the longer longer races so it kind of felt natural to to go that way so what about in your childhood years? When did skiing come about and when you started racing back then? Yeah, I, like, I think I started to go to stay on the skis like when I was six, seven, eight years old and my family has been on the skis so it came, comes from them and uh, just the years went on then I liked to com- like to compete but I didn't like to train uh, but so on and I, then, then I, the decisions came where I wanted to go to, to school and I want to I choose to go on like the cross country school here in Gymnas uh, when I was 16 here in Östersund and from there like the 
focus just have been has grown from year to year. Like I got more motivated the last years than I was when I was seventeen, eighteen. There then I was like maybe not the most focused one and not the one most motivated I kinda did because I thought it was fun. I just did the part where I thought was fun. Maybe not the most important things on the skis. That's why I maybe not. Uh, I wasn't uh, in the top of the result list back then. I was going to ask you about that. You know that at that time when you were seventeen, eighteen, did you think? Did you seriously think that skiing will be or will become your? career or we're just doing it for fun and didn't really think about the future that much yeah i kind of did it because it was fun and maybe i didn't do it to i didn't think i i had it in me to to like has it have it like my job back then but uh so it was like that for a few years there were 17 18 19 I'd like okay, I have a very good opportunity to now. Like, I'm doing this because I like it a lot, but I worked like half time on the side to finance the the skiing part, but and did that for a few years, but didn't see like okay, I will be in the the top of the cross country skiing. And then Lager and for seven called me. Then I jumped, joined them, and like that was when was that's when I decided. Okay, now I have one chance. I just have to go all in on it. On it, and it kind of gone very well since then. But you must have done something right because the. They caught your eye uh, that, that they noticed you and so how well did you do in the junior years what were kind of your results before you joined the joined the team uh, <laughs> nothing to brag about uh, I think I have some few top tens in my juniors and uh, I think I have like uh, 25 in the Swedish nationals that's my best, and some, I think, top tens in the Swedish Cup, or what do you say, uh, before. But then I like, I won the the local long distance tour in here in Jämtland, where Anton Carlsson competed and Andreas Holmberg have competed some. So I, I raced against them, sometimes before. I think Anton Carlsson was the one who. Uh, me, told uh, Anton Jernberg about me and and the rest is history as they say yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so. then what about school if you go back to that and you were s- s- skiing at that time but before you went into that special sports uh, 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 high school but how were you as a student and what kind of subject did you like or first of all uh, do you like school and were you good at school at school. No, I didn't like school. I just 
did listen as little as necessary. Uh, but uh, so I'm not the, like the most focused on the student student. So I haven't done any from high school because I'm not. I haven't felt that I okay. I'm, I know I, I don't know what I want to do to study. Then I, I it's like study for just study. I think it's waste of time. But my favorite subject in the high school was I don't know sports maybe. Yeah, of course. But I <laughs> beside that I <laughs> maybe math. Oh, math. Yeah. That's interesting. Have you thought about studies, you know, afterwards or is that in your plan? Uh I haven't thought about it that much. There's a lot of people around me to tell me about oh, you have to study, you have to study to become something. And yeah. I don't know. We'll see in the in a few years what what I'm up to. I'm not closing any doors, but We'll see. But of course, if you stay healthy, you can go on for years and years. I'm mean, look at uh, Anders Auckland. Yeah, like I'm, I have uh, 20 years left. So. Then what else did you do besides skiing? Do you have any time for hobbies? Or if so, what are they? Yeah, I think I have too many hobbies that takes a lot of time. And I may not... Too many. I have a hobbies that takes a lot of time. Like now in the fall, I like to hunt, so I'm out hunting. Uh, maybe try to hunt as much as I can, and every on every rest day. You so hunting it's... moose or? Yeah, mostly moose. Uh, that's the main main thing. How can you fit that in your schedule and uh, training? <sighs> yeah, you have to plan. It's all about planning, but uh, maybe moose hunting in the in the morning and training in the afternoon. So that's one way. And then in the like the winter, I like to uh, go snowmobiling and go downhill skiing. Isn't that a bit dangerous downhill skiing? You can injure yourself if you fall. <laughs> yeah, but you can die of driving a car also. So. I don't care about much about that. Okay, of course you have to think about it, but if you think like that, you you can't like leave your home in the morning because you, when you go out in the street, you get you can get uh, run over. So live fast, die young. Are you good at uh, downhill skiing or alpine skiing? Good. It's hard to say if I'm good. Can you go down uh, like a black slopes or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem with that. And uh, I can do drops and so on. And then the, the big jumps and so on. So I, I, like, I like to go with this, some guys that do a lot of more of downhill skiing and join them on their uh, ski trips and like do what they've done, do what they do. So they push, push my boundaries. So when can you do that? I mean, you're racing every weekend. And the winter's kind of short, and I assume you can't really do do much of that before a race. No, it's uh, in January, February. It's like nothing, but in the spring, 
in after the season we have some snow here in the mountains close to Östersund I like to go there and then what about the snow uh, mobile uh, the scooter do you do like safaris or you just do it every once in a while for fun uh, once in a while for fun uh, like kind of like free skiing but free snowmobile uh, out in the trees where it's steep uh, a lot of hills a lot of snow and you get stuck a lot but that's what I like about it to push push the boundaries and pushing myself to to do new things that I haven't done before like jumping and so on do you have your own scooter or snowmobile or do you rent one uh, I have my own that's a priority to me I have to do, have my own snowmobile wow you have your own snow, <laughs> snowmobile mobile, and yeah. then you have, have your alpine skis and then of course a bunch of uh, cross country <laughs> skis yeah, as well and, so, and some like uh, road bikes and uh, mountain bikes and Hunting, right? Hunting equipment. So, I have too many hobbies that cost a lot of mo money and takes a lot of time. But I think it's that's important to me to like get away from the uh, cross country skiing to get away from that and think about something else for a, a day or a few hours some some day. Do you have any hobbies or do you do anything that's kind of just easy and quiet and peaceful that doesn't really re require going out or living dangerously? Uh, no, I don't think so. You don't read uh, books, guess. you don't watch any any movies or shows or listen to music uh, or just I, relax? I, I watch some movies between the sessions, but in my apartment I get like, I hate it to stay in my apartment to just lay on the sofa uh, I just feel bad when I'm doing that on a rest day if I'm wasting a day in my apartment it feels like okay I, can, I could have done something so much more fun like out hunting or snowmobiling or like something productive you're certainly an outdoor guy you love to be outdoors yeah for sure you mentioned your apartment. Uh, do you live by yourself? Yeah. Uh, Where's your girlfriend? <laughs> I don't do you know. have one? I'm looking for no. one. <laughs> I don't have time for a girlfriend. <laughs> I mean, that uh, it sounds and seems to me that you don't. You do too many things. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the problem. But if you had time, I mean, of course, we all, you know, Think about it. I mean, your family is important to all of us. If we, if you had time, and one day you will, what is your type? I know there are lots of girls <laughs> listening to this nowadays. So, oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> I have to say the right thing now. Yes, exactly. Uh, tomorrow you might get a lot of calls. <laughs> okay, no pressure here. Now I think uh, she's like be similar, like who I'm, who I am, uh, like. I'm an outdoor guy. It was like, if she's an outdoor girl, it would be fitting and uh, a happy and what do you say, active girl who likes to be out. That's uh, like 
one thing <laughs> I uh, put a lot of value in. How's your, how's your family? I mean, your father, uh, your mother, father, and uh, what do they mean to you? Uh, they mean a lot to me. They support me and help me a lot. Uh, I can always call them to if it's something that it's bothering me or I want to, want help with, and so on. So I spend a lot of time with them. Do they live close? Yeah, only 10 kilometers, so it's perfect when I'm hungry and my fridge is empty and just going home. You can always uh, go there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is there any food here? So I empty their fridge. And what about your brother? You keep talking about him. Is he your only brother or do you have other siblings? No, it's my only brother. One sibling. He's living only like one kilometer away, so spend a lot of time with him too. And you train together as well? Yeah, a lot. He's, but he's my biggest contender in Team Encon. Uh, yeah, that's interesting that he's uh, he's actually in another team. Uh, how's that possible? Why isn't he in, in, in Lager? Uh, I don't know. You have to ask Antin Jernberg and my brother for that answer. But um, what else do you value in life? Besides, you know, family and your things to do and skiing. Is there anything else that is really important to you? Yeah, no, no, I don't think so. Just be happy and smile a lot. Then your life will be easy. Do things that makes you smile. To be happy, that's that's important. Yeah. To you. What do you say? Don't take life so serious. It's not yet, It's not yet like you're gonna get out alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> that's well put. Uh, the future. Of course, you yeah. have plans and goals for the future, and now you're the champion. But if you start from skiing, what are the kind of your, wouldn't you call them dreams? Because let's let's uh, stick to, to reality and say your, your actual goals. My, of course, Vasalopet, to take a victory there, that's, uh, that's would be huge. And that's my main goal now, I think. And of course, Take the champ bib one more year would be huge. So that's like the the goal, the closest goal now. But in the longer end, I'm like I just want to leave from the sport for a few years more. And uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna do it for as long as I think it's it's making me happy, and I like to do it. I was going to ask you about that. Can you picture yourself uh, still skiing at the age of 40 or something like Auckland or Rejak and those guys? Uh, it depends on the like where I am in life. If I have family, if I'm like good at it and can be in the top and not just skiing like for fun and don't earning some money on it I think it uh, I'm thinking it must be like have some financial from it to keep going with it for up to 40 
so forming a family is in your cards that one day you want to be want to have a family and want to be a father yeah I think so a big family 10 kids no. <laughs> not no 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 too much for me to handle and then uh, any other plans or goals uh, in addition to your skiing career have a nice house nice car nice family right? and uh Skiing wise, ski and have fun, do some backflips and front flips and travel the world. Travel the world? Yeah. Where would you go? Then. Where would you like to go? But like skis, it would be amazing to do like the kangaroo race uh, in New Zealand and like maybe American Birkebein in the United States and some like. The skis will take me uh, amazing places. I would like to go to Canada. I think that's a beautiful country. Speaking of which, do you think that Visma Ski Classic should stretch out? Should That you guys should have races in those continents as well? Yeah, I think so. Because if we want to grow this, the Visma Ski Classic, I think we have to see outside Europe. But... Maybe not like next year, but in a few years, I think that's the that's one I think we have to to see on that op- op- option. Of course, that that would be great, but it's always the question of scheduling and the logistics and all that. Yeah, of, of course, that's it's not easy. To, like, it's not all places to have that have snow in the before Christmas and. Like we have Marcelonga in January, so we can't go like United US and day one weekend and like Marcelonga one weekend and maybe back the weekend after that and yeah, it's the schedule is you have to work there. Yeah, the jet lag would kill you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to sleep. Indeed, but I think we're pretty much done for now. Uh so last thing, uh Emil, uh Now, when you look at the uh, the upcoming season, season 12, and uh, if you leave yourself aside, who is going to win uh, the uh, the champion, both in the women, men's and the women's races? Your predictions. But it can't uh, be you. Uh, I can't say anybody in the men's category then, though. Because it's not allowed to say me. <laughs> so of course you you will be the one, but, <laughs> but no, and you need to no, pick someone else. <laughs> okay, then I will say Oscar Cardin. Ah, good, your countryman. Because he's a he's a really good friend. He's a very strong skier too. On the women's side, I will say Tia Krukamurud. He's shown a really high capacity in the camps this this summer. That's interesting. That's good. Uh, speaking of which, how is Esprita doing, by the way? Do you think that she'll be back with the vengeance? Uh, yeah, she's always strong. Uh, what do you say? Count her out. Yeah, yeah, you can't count her out. She always has a high speed and a good shape. 
Indeed, but uh, thank you very much, Emil. I think uh, the next season will be very successful uh, for you again. Maybe you'll get that Barcelona victory and you're defending the champion champion title. It'll be a great uh, year and it was really great to have you here and talk to you and good luck with your training. I know that it's a, it's a really a dark time right now in Östersund and everywhere in Scandinavia, but we'll manage. You know, the winter season is coming soon. So thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Talk to you in the winter. And you guys out there listening to Usha Tulevi podcast, remember that you can always send us uh, ideas, questions, feedback, and that email address is podcast at wsportsmedia.com. Once again, podcast at wsportsmedia.com. And stay tuned for more episodes. Usha Tulevi comes out every week. More exciting things are in the pipeline. For now, I thank you and I'll say goodbye. This podcast is a W Sports Media production.